Welcome to Moving the Rock. Whether sales is all you do or only part of what you do, the strategies and tactics of success can often feel split between two realities. You can become someone you're not to earn the recognition and praise of people you don't respect, or you can try to figure it out on your own, knowing you'll underperform your potential. We're here to offer a third way. The idea that you can't have success without compromise is just wrong. You don't have to compromise to win in the long term. You can play the game in such a way that you win in the short term and the long term. Through our hard lessons learned, we can shift your way of thinking and create a better way. I'm Chris, founder of SightShift. And I'm James, founder of Florist Group. If you're tired of the status quo, we're here to help you move the rock on your career, your business, and your life. Welcome. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, Chris, to uh, another edition of Moving the Rock, man. It's great to have you here. Yeah, glad to be here. <laughs> uh, how, you know, we've been talking about um, this idea of overachievement. We've been talking about goal setting. We, uh, we hit on the topic of role identity. We hit on the topic of execution. Uh, we talked about uh, coaching. And now today's topic is uh, one that just, you know, it's something we all do, and it's something that sends shivers up the spine of most leaders as well as high performers, and it's this idea of team meetings. Uh, it's something It's something that a lot of sales leaders, a lot of executives uh, do really poorly because they treat it the same way they treat everything else, right? Uh, we're all smart. I'm smart. I know exactly what's on my mind. We're gonna get together, just get this shit done, and so they walk into it with the same kind of ad hoc uh, mindset, the same kind of lack of preparation that they oftentimes walk into sales meetings with, that they oftentimes greet their clients with. Uh, it's one of the things that's most, it's least often trained, and it's most often screwed up. Um, and I think today what we're gonna talk about is this idea that. You know, there's there are ways to handle it in general, which I think you can add a lot of value to. And then we'll take it down deeper and talk about uh, how we can make meetings more effective in a sales context. Yeah, a little bit of that intro was traumatizing to me in a fresh way. I didn't expect it to be. And you know the story. But for the listeners, the short of it is yesterday I'd prepared for probably the biggest, most important presentation I've done in a team setting format. I had it, Jimmy, down to the minute. Like, I'll show you my sheet. It was like 225, 235. And, and I even rehearsed it so there was flow. I wasn't rigid. I'm not too tied to it. But then a tech thing happened. Uh, and, and that threw me off, which usually I rolled that pretty good. And nobody knew the difference except for the sweat that formed on my face. Because I stayed smooth. I stayed calm. People wouldn't know. But my sweat, man... And uh, I, I figured out why and, and have been able to, to pick it apart some. You and I were able to joke about it. But that's the thing. I mean, too many people, especially I've seen this with leaders who, who have an orientation to be able to be persuasive or in sales, show up to those moments and wing it. Right. right. Because they're good at that. And, and what a what a you know, lesson for me yesterday, even though I was prepared, I still got thrown off some. And so we can't, we can't leave these engagements to chance. And I think probably what woke me up the most to this was actually I was interning in college at an organization 
And uh, the leader said something really smart in the meeting. Uh, some time had got wasted. So afterward, I was talking to him and he goes, yeah, you figure this. All the time that was wasted, it wasn't just like 10 minutes that was wasted. There were 11 people in the room. Right it on. was 110 minutes that was wasted. So you figure what that costs the organization, right? And it was really, really cool for me to get that perspective at like 21 because I learned to value meetings and what can really happen or what might go off the rails. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, so this idea of the investment you're making, um, but this, this idea of winging it, right? So I think that you would say, I probably, you'd probably agree that what saved your meeting, the one you talked about yesterday <laughs> uh, that didn't go so well, is your ability to wing it, right? I mean, we all have to be, yeah. we have to have the guile and the self-confidence and the experience to be able to adapt and adopt on the fly. And that's really a testament to how great we are um, winging it or responding to the unexpected. And and that, so it's not to diminish that skill set. We want to we want to improve that skill set. But j just like with a client, a client knows when you're winging it, and a client knows when you're wasting time, and a client client knows when they're not getting value or a prospect. Same thing with your team. Mm -hmm. They know when you're full of shit. They know when you're wasting their time. They can feel it. And the problem is that it doesn't just, it's not just about knowing you're wasting my time. It's the multiplier effect of then everything else they're thinking about, like what they could be doing or what they're not doing. And the the more time they waste, the more uh, resentment and other emotions build up towards you, right? Mm. Uh, and, you know, you can do it once or twice, but if it's like if it's like every week or every month or it's just the way you operate, man, forget about it. It's going to be oh, yeah. a disaster. Well, I actually know a leader who, this was the straw that broke the camel's back for him getting fired. There were other issues. But he would show up. Everybody was there on time for the meeting. He was the leader. He would show up late, not really worry about it. Just keep everybody waiting. Come in when he got there. Um, and it was a little, it was a flex, a flex out of insecurity for sure. Um, but that ended up being the straw that broke the camel's back for, for why he got fired. Um, because the board started getting involved and interviewed some of the employees and found this approach. And yeah, so it's, it's bananas. It's crazy because everybody has these extreme approaches. Um, they're doing them poorly and winging them. And like you said, Part of the skill to wing it is, yes, how I got back on track yesterday. I could get back into flow even with the preparation. Or they're on the other extreme and and they're just not being um, thoughtful to say, okay, when we're with people, um, this matters. Let's put attention on it. Let's put effort on it. Um, let's, let's give our best to it. And uh, we're here to help them with that. Excited yeah. to, to dive into this today. Yeah. What for you has been the catalyst? Was there a pain point ever early on where you said, oh, I've really got to make these meetings count? No, great question. Uh, it's much like training. When I was uh, a rep, um, I never met a trainer or a training program I liked. Mm -hmm. I thought they were all full of crap. And I never met a meeting I liked. I thought they were just a waste of time. Um, in fact, uh, I, re I remember a story very vividly uh, where I joined a, uh, a startup uh, and we had clients at the time. So it was post launch and post, we already had some revenue. Um, but I was brought in 
you know, to kick some ass and to, and to really uh, expand a, a new market. And I was always on the phone, right? My CEO often would complain that, Jimmy, you're always on the phone. I'd come into meetings on the phone. I would leave meetings on the phone um, because the culture was so chilled and relaxed. I knew, right, they were just going to be wasting time ahead of time. They're going to be wasting time at the end. And I didn't have, I wasn't going to make my quota and my income subject to their incompetence. Uh, now, the, the C, you know, I've, I was, I became top rep um, uh, in the company uh, within my first term there, my first year there. And by, by the time that year was over, that, that CEO was gone. Mm. You know, it was, so again, it's not so much that the lax, it's not the lax or relaxed approach. It's the fact that the person leading those meetings wasn't thinking about the objective. Mm-hmm. wasn't thinking about what the hell we were all there for. Uh, and I, and I, so I think for me, it goes, it's another way to, or another reason for this servant leader approach. And, and I come back to servant leadership because when we think of servant leadership, we think of this idea of shared goal, shared path. We're going to serve a shared goal and I'm going to lead you along a shared path. And if we think that growth is the mastery of change, it's this idea that uh, we're gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna, sh- I'm gonna serve this shared goal for growth, and I'm gonna lead you along this shared path to change. So uh, I'm there to serve and to lead, and the people in the meeting are there to serve and lead. It is not a top-down hierarchical hierarchical event; it is a shared event. Everyone is responsible for the goal. Everyone is responsible for walking the path. Mm. Um, and if you have that attitude, the first thing is the first thing that I do is while there is going to be a leader, and this is just me talking about sales teams. I'd like you to talk about just leadership teams in general. But in a sales team, I don't want to have a team that that views me as the supreme being and whatever I say goes, and I'm going to dictate. It is, it is us together uh, taking the next hill. It is us together contributing to our improvement. And it's us together taking responsibility for showing up prepared, taking uh, the commi- making commitments and then taking those commitments and executing upon them and then bringing back the results so that we can all hold, uh, be held and hold each other accountable. Mm, that's awesome. And that for me sums up what makes the meeting so great something is gonna happen. Something's gonna happen. And what I mean by that is, and I think of Patrick Lencioni, uh, he has a book called Death by Meetings, and he's like, meetings can be better than movies. And that sounds insane when that. you say it, right? <laughs> I mean, if you tell somebody, hey, you can go to a meeting or watch a movie, which one you wanna do? Uh, of course, the average person is like, movie all day long, meetings suck. But here's the thing. <laughs> In meetings, I mean, we've seen this in our organizational meetings. We've seen this in sales meeting and leadership meetings. Something's going to happen. Are we going to get the vision deeper? Are we going to build a memory? Are we going to change a strategy? Are we going to find where we're not committed to the strategy and make a deeper commitment to it? And all of that is going to be played out on the plane of human interaction, human emotions. It's like it's training, you know? It's, you're, you're actually accomplishing something, but you're also 
ever staying sharp in training. And I totally nerd out about this and have for a long time. It's, it's, uh, it's why I made it a, a piece of one of the courses and have all these videos training on it because I feel like meetings, like we're at Venice Beach, we're going out and we're training in front of everybody. It's, it's learning to do that in front of everybody where you can grow so much in your ability to lead, to persuade, to hold your space, to be kind, to defer, to read the body language of somebody, to notice within yourself where you're starting to get anxious or insecure or struggling to get, you know, over and over and over again. And uh, yeah, I get pretty excited about it. get pretty excited. So when you say... Uh, meetings can be better than movies. Is it? Is it the entertainment factor? What is it about the meeting that is better than the movie? Well, what makes a great movie is the conflict. Uh, conflict is what makes a great story. And so in the right meeting, the setting, there is conflict. Now, it could be inter-conflict as far as what's happening in between the team members. I'm not talking about dysfunctional. I'm not talking about drama. I'm not talking about any of the insecurities that you and I spend a lot of time talking about and leading people through. I'm talking about, oh, we weren't committed to this idea and now it's got to change. Now, it could be conflict on the team. That could surface some things that need to be talked through and worked through. We could be made better as humans through this. It could also be conflict with the market where something isn't landing like we thought, you know. When we are in right relationship with ourself, with ourselves, with others, and with the company, the market, the competition, all those things, that's when life's beautiful. Meetings are a chance to figure out where that's not happening. Yeah, I love it. So <laughs> I'm applying this concept of, of conflict or um, you know, pressure or um, you know, I guess um, a problem or a challenge you know, to a meeting, I'm thinking about, you know, what we think about all the time is this idea of accountability, right? So we're going to make a commitment, we're going to track the performance, we're going to be held accountable. And, you know, another form of conflict is this idea of pushback. So, you know, in front of every team member, the leader or somebody else in the team asks a question that kind of pushes back on an assumption and challenges, um, the mindset or the thought process that you deployed or that or the solution that you are presenting, um, not in a way to be difficult or um, you know, spiteful or anything like that. It's simply designed to test and challenge what's going through your mind right now and not keep and not allow you to be complacent. And we actually do that when we are selling. You know, the, the best thing you can possibly do, and the book is yet to come, man, but I, 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 the name of the book for me, man, it's going to be called Pushback. You know, it's the number one thing you can do when you're moving someone to change or moving somebody to growth is to, is to challenge or to push back on a comment they made or, or a series of statements that they've made to really, uh, to really help them think about whether or not the path they're on and the, and the thoughts that they've had that they have or the mindset that they're developing is really going to help them get to where yeah. they want to be. Yeah, I love that. Have you heard of the? There's a book, the leadership. It's it's about, it's about the top five leadership practices. K O U Z A, I think, was the author. This was like an early leadership book to the field, so it's considered like a grandfather book. And mm -hmm. they did a lot of research to show the top five practices, and one of them is of leaders. 
They challenge the process. So in other words, leadership as a function, this is just one part of it, doesn't passively experience things. They actively experience it and they think about how it can be better. And so, you know, in public speaking, I, it's, I don't listen to a speaker without evaluating how it could be better. So I'm listening to him and I'm listening at her, both and. It's, it's, it's constantly happening I, in any environment. Now, I don't have to do that to feel whole because some people can get on that power trip within themselves and they're only happy as a critic. It's just that, you know, that's the nature of how my brain works. That's, I'm always looking at how I can get better. And what's been fascinating for me, and this is this journey through the wins model, is how you have so zeroed in an application into a conversation around change. To do that concept of challenging the process or pushback as you're saying it, but in a non-combative way. And that's the thing that's I think people are so hungry for. We don't need right. more combative oppositional tactics. That's exhausting. Right. It's manipulative. Yeah. And so let's um, let's put a finer point on non-combative. So when I think of non-combative, I think of an approach that doesn't set the person you're talking to on the defensive. Is it a fair way to to well, qualify that? I, they may get on the defensive, but it's on them if they do. Now, if we're astute, caring leaders, we're going to notice that happens and 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 seek to comfort if we need to, seek seek to meet that emotion lead them through it, explore it more. Um, but the way I think about non-combative is I'm not using pushback or my challenge of what you're saying in a way to trap you, to paint you into a corner. To make you wrong. To, exactly, exactly. Right. And, um, you know, that was... I experienced a lot of that. Let's just say yeah. that in a previous and, life. <laughs> and that's and so that's a sign of the insecurity of the leader, right? That's this need that this need to feed their insecurity by making you wrong or making them appear to be superior in some way. That's right. Because a servant leader, a servant leader that's sales oriented, leadership focused, whatever it is, is going to say, "I want to empower you. I want to educate you. I want to ask you questions that surface clarity. I want to help you own where you're at, and you, of your own volition, take the step that you want to take." Right. Um, rather than, yeah, I want to win. Right. Well, and the reason I brought up defensiveness is this idea, because it goes back to coaching, which was our previous topic. Um, you know, the, the purpose of that coach is to guide. The purpose of the coach is not to, um, you know, feed the coach's insecurities or to make the coach or to position the coach as the sage or whatever. Uh, the purpose of coaching is to get the most out of the person who's being coached, or in this case, in a team environment, the individuals um, who are subject to the coaching. Uh, and so, yeah, you can you can say, last time we were in this room, you told me this, or you can, which, which can immediately create some defensiveness, even if it wasn't intended. And you can replace that with, um, last time we were together, what I heard you say was this. Did I hear you correctly? Yeah. Right. Or would you would you adjust that at all? Or, but again, it's this idea of it's a cooperative. That is an example of a cooperative effort to get to the truth, mm -hmm. versus a one way effort to make someone wrong on the path to getting to the truth. 
Yeah. Well, and and that's why it's so powerful in a meeting to have an agenda, which I know both of us are fans of, um, of some sort, so that there can be an agreed upon reference point context and and where we're coming at this from, because language is so relative. I think about the relativity of language a ton because, you know, we don't know what we mean. And I'll use a super personal example. Um, this happened like last weekend. My wife had said something and about like, well, you're not really helping me. Factually, I was. But emotionally, she didn't feel like I was because on that issue, I wasn't carrying the weight with her in that moment. And so what's that going to do in me? One or two things. And I don't do it perfectly. I'm going to get defensive and run through the facts. Well, actually, if we'll look at the Wikipedia timeline I've been keeping on a relationship online, you'll notice that month seven, month 12, month 422, you know, and it's like boom, 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 boom. And you're trying to win it like a lawyer. Exactly. Or, oh, she's not in a mindset worldview right now where she's trying to have this factual conversation. She's expressing emotions and I need to pay attention to that. Now, I'm using an example that people could get upset about, like I'm saying that she's doing that because she's a woman. I'm not because men do it too. We all do it. All humans switch in and out of points of reference. Sometimes they're in very rational places. Sometimes they're more in emotional places. And, and there's a lot of different ways you could frame all that. And so when you've got a meeting, the more you talk, the more opportunity there is for misunderstanding. <laughs> And yet it is with words that we create new realities. We capture hearts. We tell stories. We win people over. We help them uh, explore something they hadn't thought about. Or we hear something we haven't thought about. And that's why it's so important to say, okay, and I love the way you phrase it, the shared path we're agreeing that we're on. Right. Well, so that's, so that's really good, a good transition to this idea of how do we build agendas, right? So uh, because not every meeting... And let's just take take it out to the to the to the macro level, right? When we think about meetings, um, meetings don't have to always be planned. They don't have to be the same time every week, every other week, in the same room with the same people, right? So, but regardless of whether they are or whether they're ad hoc, like perhaps a meeting you might have with your spouse or a teammate when the two of you happen to have time and a hot topic to discuss, or when you're in your office uh, and somebody just walks in with a challenge mm. and surprises you, you are in the midst, in all those examples, you're in the midst of a meeting. What is the, the first most important thing you can do? The first most important thing you can do is define the objective. When I'm, when I'm doing something and I'm interrupted by somebody who has an urgent issue, I'll let them, I will let them uh, spew and share and kind of get things off their chest. And then my next exact, my next question all the time, every time is, how can I help you? Hmm. I hear you. How can I help you? Hmm. In other words, tell me exactly what you expect, what you need from this conversation. And if they say, I just need someone to, to bitch and complain to, cool, I'm here. Hmm. If they, if they tell me, you know, they need to, uh, come to a conclusion because they have to make a decision in five minutes, I'm I'm there for them. The wrong thing for me to do would be to assume what they need in that moment. <laughs> back to your, back maybe to your example, Chris, because maybe you thought 
you were doing your wife a service, but maybe maybe you guys never agreed on exactly what her expectations were from the conversation. But the first thing an agenda has to do and the first thing that has to be there, if you really truly want to have this a session or a conversation with a shared goal so you can walk down that shared path together is you've got to have that agreement up front. Mm-hmm. I'm going to quote you next time we're in that spot. Jimmy, Jimmy said. said yes, <laughs> but that's, yeah. And then call I, me and warn me, okay? Because I don't. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, can't be stated enough. It needs neon signs around it and exclamation marks around it. And if we're meeting just to meet and we don't have that agreed upon, you know, agenda path that we're walking, then we just go through the motions. And when you're going through the motions like that, you're, you're setting up all kinds of potential for disengagement, what you were feeling about wasted time, for misunderstandings, for wasted efforts into distractions. And we're not then fulfilling what this whole section's yeah. about. You've been taking us through overachieving. Overachieving. How the hell can you overachieve if you're so if you're if you're not focused? And it also it also addresses this common complaint about meetings, right? How do we know as we're going through the meeting that we're talking about something that's important or not? Well, one of the reasons that I love to empower the people who are in the meeting, it's not just me running the meeting, it's all of us taking responsibility for making sure we get value out of the meeting, is that if we tend to go off topic or if we're talking about something that may not be directly lined up with the goal that we set ahead of time, anybody in the meeting can raise their hand and say, hey, gang, are we on task? Is this on target? Mm -hmm. Or should this be tabled for another conversation? And I'll say, great observation. Um, I say, no, it's not. Do I have a second? Somebody seconds. We put it up on the on the whiteboard or we put it down on a piece of paper for next time. Or we put it on a list to be prioritized for next time. I love it. I love it. One of the things I've learned over the years, and, and I honestly feel like I'm not there now uh, with a weekly meeting, but we'll be there. Uh, when you get to a place that things are grooving and you can really start projecting and, you know, the flywheel's turning super fast – uh, and I've been there before. I know my own tendency at that point is to want to – I can get distracted. And so I developed a shorthand phrase in that space. And so you'll probably have to hold me to this later on in the future. But I would just say, hey, here was an idea I had. Talk me out of it. <laughs> and and that was me being true to a tool, the GMI. I show up in this space of innovation uh, that, okay, I know where I can be my own worst enemy in a meeting uh, once things are really grooving. Now, until they're grooving, I'm kind of like hunting that, you know, I'm a dog on the hunt. I got to get that thing grooving. Uh, but once it does, then those other horizons start calling. And so I think it's really powerful for people to understand you're going to lead a meeting a certain way that you have a preference, but it may not be where the team is. And so there's a lot of situational leadership training out there that talks about this. I have a shorthand way we express it. But the idea being when the team is early on, mid-stage, later stage, you're adjusting your approach. You're not leading it how you want to always lead the meeting. You're leading it for where the team is now. Um, And you're aware of the 
the different phases and how you show up best and, and how to counteract for that. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think uh, what I think we're talking about here is, you know, there's this, there's a lot of shorthand out there, right? Well, we're going to have a standing meeting. Well, who gives a shit if you're standing or sitting, you can still waste time, right? The idea is, well, if we're standing, we're not, you know, we're going to be more focused. Well, that's, that's just bullshit, right? If you're, if you're shitty at running meetings, you're going to run shitty meetings when you're standing up or not. Um, but what I would say is that, you know, what your example reminded me of was the four hour work week. Uh, perhaps for me, you know, one of the top five seminal books that I've ever read in terms of its impact on my life and my career. Uh, but a great observation in the book that just is, is so true is that if you, if you give yourself enough time, right, you're going to, you're going to fill that time. Mm-hmm. And if it feels like you, you have lots of time, you may fill it with a lot of wasted time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's not so much about having a standing meeting or sitting down in the meeting. Uh, and it's not so much about filling the meeting with stuff. Um, it's really about, for me, it's about um, thinking about, a, like, imagine a 75, imagine planning to have a 75 minute meeting. A lot of us, uh, when we schedule meetings, schedule a half hour and go over by a half hour. But it makes us feel good to book that 25 minutes or that 30 minutes, even though we're, we all we end up doing is cultivating a lack of discipline that allows us to go over and burn into whoever's, you know, whatever schedule we have coming after. So there's lots of tricks that we use that don't really fix this issue. I love the idea of, set, of scheduling a 75-minute pipeline meeting every two weeks. Mm-hmm. Love it, because I've got five elements within that meeting the first is 20 minutes, the second is 20 minutes, the third is 15 minutes, the fourth is 15 minutes, and the close is five. And I have somebody taking minutes during the conversation, mm-hmm. recording those conversations. We may even, on Zoom, be recording it and then transcribing it via Zoom, so it saves somebody from taking notes. Um, and everyone in the organization, everybody on that call, is allowed to make sure we are held to time. So again, it's everyone's responsibility to make sure that we are using our time most effectively. And if we decide that we're talking about something that's really important, we then have to decide that it's more important than the next scheduled uh, component of that time. Um, so there's a so it's not so much just give yourself as much time as you can to fill, or it, and it's not so much this idea that if I give you too much time, we're going to waste time. Mm-hmm. It's the preparation in advance. What do you plan to do at that time? And exactly. how will those five components of that meeting serve the ultimate goal, which is to make sure that we are optimizing uh, the value of our pipeline? Know the purpose. Know the purpose. I was leading an organization that was going through a serious upheaval and it had to get realigned. And so we had a weekly meeting where we led the organization we would schedule strategy meetings. We need to have a longer conversation. But for a season, I required a five-minute stand-up meeting. When you came in that day, we all met in the conference room. Five minutes, tell me what you're working on today. That was it. And, and that was because we had to get aligned. But after time, we let that meeting go because it wasn't needed anymore. So again, it's just knowing the purpose. I know you've got a list of things that could you could roll through that could just level up anybody's game on leading those meetings. Do you have that stuff ready to roll? I do, and I don't want folks to take this as a gospel for all meetings, but let's think about the context, right? So let's think about a, uh, a team of high performers that all have, that are, that are all performing at their potential, 
that uh, the organization depends upon, that the team depends upon, um, is it enough? And, and I'm going to always push back on this idea that we don't need to do that anymore because as soon as we stop doing what, what got us to where we are, mm. complacency sets in and um, chinks in the armor begin to form. So I, I think really long and hard before I change a practice that got me to where I am. Um, it's like anybody who watch, you know, watches their weight, goes on a diet, great, you lost 35 or 40 pounds, now what? Well, I'm gonna keep doing it, really? <laughs> or are you gonna go off the diet and say, oh, I, I earned, I lost 40 pounds, I earned a piece of pizza, and then all of a sudden the weight goes back on. So uh, let's think about things that, that we can sustain. So when I think about a meeting overview, let's think about a 75 minute meeting overview. right? In advance of that meeting, I wanna make sure that I go through my checklist, right? We want to make sure we start and stop on time. We want to make sure that we create and distribute an agenda. And by the way, it's an agenda. If you think about an agenda for a salesperson, the agenda that you set for a prospect was the agenda that you and the prospect agreed to ahead of time. So this this, this agenda is one that the team agrees agrees to that will be covered and will be will be is most suited to achieving the objective in mind, which is in this case is a pipeline uh, review meeting. We're going to um, uh, we're going to create topics or limit the meeting to topics that move the needle. So every topic that's brought up is um, is evaluated based on its ability to move the needle to get us closer to our objective. A great this is a great this is a great objective by the way because if we can do this, we're training our team members to be yeah. very uh, to be very thoughtful about what we're talking about and to get used to doing the same kind of evaluation that you as a leader do. Does. 30 seconds on that real quick. Please That's do. a huge thing for meetings. It's a golden time to coach people when they bring mm-hmm. up questions, teach them how to make a decision through the values. Right. Anyway, I could go on and on. Right. And on. Yeah. Well, and so what you're modeling here as a leader is how your people should run their meetings. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Think about the implied value of doing this the right way. They can then run meetings with their clients the same way. Uh, it's pipeline focused, right? There's no updates. There's no storytelling. We are focused on what we're focused on. Uh, to your point, I always think about this idea of recognizing the decisions and actions of generating winning or losing outcomes. So we're not here to focus on the outcomes. The outcomes exist in CRM. They exist in the reports. They exist someplace else. What were the decisions and actions that got you there? What are the things that we will take away and make part of our best practice? What are the things that we can learn from, push back on, and change? That's the objective. It's about us getting better. It's about us getting better and improving how we make those decisions and take those actions. Um, In a meeting, I always want to train on something new. So to your point, uh, where you're thinking about uh, how to improve, let's make room for that. Let's um, collect the things that team members want to learn and make a 20-minute window in every meeting twice a month to learn something new. And by the way, I'm not adding work to the leader's I'm not adding work to the leader's uh, a calendar or an agenda outside of the meeting. I'm actually, I've actually got a nice and creative way to address these um, added deliverables that I'll go into next. But let's find, let's let's make learning part of the meeting. Let's uh, make sure that during the meeting we're going to agree on specific next steps. So this has to do with making commitments, right? And then and then holding ourselves and and, and agreeing to be held accountable 
to delivering those commitments. Mm-hmm. Let's make sure that we do have some kind of recap via email. Too many meetings end with nobody taking notes. Mm-hmm. Everyone's excited. We're all energized. Nobody took notes. Next meeting, we have no idea how to completely make sure that everybody is being held accountable for what they committed to. So we are not moving the needle mm-hmm. in that case. And then this idea of cultivating a firm meeting culture. So I love the idea of thinking about meetings as having their own culture. And as an organization, uh, leaders and people thinking about the kind of culture that we're cultivating. Now, that's a 75-minute meeting. Um, why do I pick that kind of a intensive use of time? Because that the longer the meeting, the more chance there is to have wasted time and the more chance there is to really trip over yourself when you're running the meeting like this. Uh, it, a lot of time can get wasted. Um, I think the thing that I would say to you, Chris, you know, before a meeting, um, the work that we do before the meeting is really going to be the most valuable uh, work that we do to make sure that that meeting um, produces the, the results that we're looking for. So just think about the before of any activity. It's about preparation. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to submit to you that your team members... You, you correct me if you think I'm wrong. Your team members are going to invest as much time in advance of that meeting as they see you as the leader investing. Yeah, if they you see set you, the pace. If they see you, yeah, uh, winging it, they're going to wing it. But right? it is it has been shown that introverts prepare more and extroverts don't. Weirdly. Okay. But you, if you prepare a ton, then even the extroverts are going to be prepared. They want to bring their best. But, but people that are introverts, the, the joke is this. If you publish an agenda, introverts read it beforehand, extroverts, re, extroverts read it in the meeting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But world-class leadership, you're raising the standard. Everybody's prepping. I love that. And, and by the way, for me, before I jump into a team meeting, the only preparation I'm doing is my leadership dashboards. I want, I'm going to hold my team members accountable to preparing their dashboards. So I am not, as the leader preparing everybody else's work they're preparing their work we are also in advance of the meeting recognizing team members who are going to take ownership of delivering the training topic for the day we're going to we're going to take we're going to identify individuals who are going to take ownership of presenting their pipeline pipeline changes the changes to the overall pipeline there are going to be people who are going to own presenting changes to or the, the new opportunities that were added to the pipeline and there's going to be a new person who's who's, who's responsible for scribing the meeting minutes. So as a leader, I can get a lot done in a 75-minute meeting without bearing the brunt of a huge amount of preparation. I can spread the preparation out. I can make everybody accountable for a different task. I can deliver a much better meeting and I can have much uh, higher engagement. And I love the idea of peer pressure. Um, When you're developing a world-class team, you want the members of the team. I love peer pressure because it's members of the team taking responsibility and accountability for the team's success. That's awesome. I think that's the chef's kiss of the process. And that's how you know you have a healthy culture when there is peer accountability. It doesn't have to come from leader to team. It's internal to the team environment. High five, man. We've leveled people up. Good call. If anybody's curious uh, and wants some agendas for team meetings, happy to send them. Hit us up. Uh, Chris, we could go on forever about the topic, but uh, I'm glad we, we spent this time on it. Thank you. Beautiful.
Thanks for listening. If you've learned something or were inspired to try something new, please rate the podcast and share this episode with someone you know. If you'd like to learn more, visit and connect with me, James, at floristgroup.com, F-L-O-R-I-S-S group.com. And if you want to connect with me, Chris, check out SightShift, S-I-G-H-T, shift.com. Peace. Thank you.